What's up, guys? Super excited to let you know that we're now releasing transcripts of the podcast. It's linked in the podcast description. You can also find it on LinkedIn at Danny Langloss in our documents section. If you're not following us on LinkedIn, please do. We're releasing leadership content daily, really driving a ton of engagement. It's our main platform. If you haven't already for the podcast, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Please give us a rating or a review. That really helps us reach more people organically. Thank you very much. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, best-selling author, sought-after keynote speaker, Heather Younger. Heather joined us in season one, in case you missed it, episode three, we talked about employee experience, employee engagement. Today, she's going to break down her experience, her strategies, the framework of her new book that's coming out very, very soon, might be released right around the time of this podcast. It's called The Art of Caring Leadership, How Leading with Heart Helps Teams and Organizations. Such an incredible incredible topic. Uh, seems to be at the forefront these days. Heather is the CEO of Employee Fanatics, widely known for her TED Talk, Transforming Adversity into Opportunity. Her story will just blow you away. Go check that out. We'll link it in the podcast description. She's also the host of the podcast Leadership with Heart. I was honored to be a guest on her podcast some time ago. Heather, it's such an honor to have you back. Uh, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to be back on here with you. Yeah, no, excited to have you. You got so much going on. It, it's crazy. I, I know it, as we were talking, leading up to your final publishing, like writing a book, which I'm in the process of doing, but have to get a little more serious. That's a heck of a process. That's a heck of a process. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Oh gosh. What I, what I discover is I mean, it's obviously you write the book and then it's all the editing around it. And luckily this, the first time I did my, my first book, it was all self-published and I did have a small little team that was helping, but now I have the publisher. And so it's just, you know, the, the process is just, you know, more corralled. And, and also this time I also did an audio book and I, I, I record, I am the narrator of my own book, which is kind of exciting, but all of these things are just like the little steps and it's exciting to see it all come together. Well, that is exciting. I love it when the authors read their own book. I'm a big audiobook fan. A lot of times I don't have time to read the hardcover, although I did buy the yes. book and I'm I'm waiting like everybody else. It's it's available for pre-order if it's not, you know, released at the time of the podcast. Um, but I'm really looking forward to going through that. So one of the things, and I think it speaks to who you are, you know, you, you made a transition in the name of your in your company from customer fanatics, customer fanatics to employee fanatics. Walk us through that change. Why why why'd you do that? Well, I mean, it, so when I first started Customer Fanatics, the idea was it was it was really um, twofold. It was the connection between customer experience and employee experience. So it was the tagline was um, uh, delighted employees. Let's see, wait, wait, wait. I can't even remember what the <laughs> what the tagline is. I don't have that tagline anymore. But it was like, oh no, it was engaged employees, delighted customers, fanatical results was was the tagline before. And, um, and it was confusing people because they were like, are you on the customer side? Are you on the employee side? And it was just, I think it was a lot. I'd write about different things on both sides and no one really knew. And so one day I spoke to a good friend of mine, someone who actually is in the book and I've interviewed my podcast too. He said, uh, and he's in, he happens to be in PR and marketing. And, and he says, you know, I love all the stuff you're doing, but, uh, 
but in the end, it's just, you got to pick a side in a way. And it's like, really? I don't really like that. I don't like that. I don't want to put my, I don't want to pigeonhole myself. But in the end, he was right because my, in my heart was really called to do more of the employee stuff. And I felt like in the end, if I had to look at the side of the business that really has the most impact on all of the business, it was the internal view between like the leaders and the employees. And so that's why I just made that change. I was talking to somebody, some person who was um, kind of an advisor and she said, you know, you really should change this. And I said, oh, I'll think about it. And finally I just did it. So. Yeah. Why, yeah, no, that's, I, that's awesome. And it really speaks to you. That's your brand. It's yes. all about that employee experience. I think it's so much more than employee engagement, your recognition of how we have to lead the whole person. Um, the importance of caring for people, breaking down a framework, the importance of people to feel as if they belong. You know, when mm-hmm. people walk through the doors, they bring whatever they've got coming in, but when they leave, um, and, and when they leave, they're often leaving an environment where they don't have as much control over it. Um, they take that with them too. And it has such an impact on people's lives. So I just really love, I, I really love that. So is that really the inspiration behind your new book, The Art of Caring Leadership? Uh, I mean, it's, I think, I think like the, the voices of employees all over, um, fo- folks that I've listened to are probably the inspirations, but, uh, but the, but the kind of direct inspiration is just from my podcast, all the interviews I had. Um, and I got to episode 25 of that podcast and realized that not everybody listens to podcasts, but I needed to be able to socialize, um, the messages of all these amazing leaders, um, around the world who've been on my show and, I think another way to do that is just finding another medium. And so that another medium was should be able to do it in a book, you know, in the form of a book. So, so you use it. Yeah. So you're, you're taking your own experience, your, your own things that you've overcome, but then you're taking, you know, these 25 guests, 25 experts in their respective fields, and you're bringing that all together and then you're making it your own and moving it forward. You know, one of the things I remember you talking to me about when you were writing the book was the editor said, we, we need more Heather. Like we want all these other experiences and you're so humble, you know, and you're like, well, I feel weird writing about me. Walk, walk through that really quick. Well, so actually there are 80 voices in the book. So out of the hundred and almost 60 episodes of my podcast, I've put about half of the people in the book one way or shape or form. And so it wasn't the editor. It was the reviewers that the editor, that the publisher sent it out to. They sent out to independent reviewers and and two of the three of them were like, I really lean in when you go to your stories. So can you please give us more of your stories so that you are the, like the, it's your book. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, eh, okay, I will, you know, it's just like, it's just that it's, I don't know if it's um, it like, like a subset of imposter syndrome in a way where you, where you're writing it. And then you're just like, is my voice valuable enough all by itself? I mean, people, plenty of people just write books and it's just like all about, you know, and they don't have other, these voices, but, but for me, it, it didn't start off about me. I didn't even intend to write the second book about this. I just happened to be talking to them and going, Oh man, there's so much good stuff here. And it just happened every time. And I was like, I have got to continue to share this. And so it did start off as more help, uh, selfless when I was doing it. And then it was like, wait a second. You know, this could turn into something. And so now we're, we're just going to turn it into all kinds of things. Now, um, folks who read the book, it's not just a book. It's a whole support system, a guidance system. So there's a self-assessment you can take. And after you take the self-assessment, you are invited into a caring leadership community. And after you go into the community, you're offered to work with our caring leadership coaches. And you're also offered courses depending on where you fall on the spectrum of your self-assessment. So if you're lower in a couple areas, then you'll be recommended courses by me. Um, that will fill in the gaps for that. So there's, it's an entire support system where they're not alone after they read it, but it's not just a book. It's a support system. So much more. 
Of course yeah. it is. It's you. It's so much more <laughs> than the book. So, so Heather, what does caring leadership look like? And we can use it as a segue to talk about the framework, but, but what just at a higher level, what's caring leadership look like? Well, caring leadership really is showing concern and kindness for those you lead. It's just, that's the, that's, that's the gist of it. Showing concern and kindness for those you lead. Um, and then the book uh, it gives you kind of the nine behaviors with lots of sub behaviors and lots of stories that shows you exactly what that looks like. So it's, I say that generally, oh, concern and kindness. What is that? Oh, so what does that look like exactly? And then I go about giving you uh, really the, the guardrails for this is exactly what you, what, it, what you need to do. And if you do these things as these other leaders have done and how they've described them, and they're not always perfect. And so I, I highlight those times when they weren't perfect as well inside the book. Um, but when you do those things, you, you become more caring. Uh, it is a continuum. It's not necessarily linear and there is no destination. So um, you see, I'm going right that like, it's a journey. It's all about the journey. And in everything I do, I always talk about the journey and we are always trying to get better and journeying to be our best selves. But we'll, you know, when we, when we uh, pass from this earth, that's when we, that'll be the best we can get (laughs) while we're on this earth. Right. (laughs) That's what I love about the idea and concept. When I hear you say that, what I think of is our value of commitment to excellence. Their excellence isn't a destination. It's a place that we can visit from time to time if we're very, very lucky and we work really, really hard. But there's always a better way. There's always room to grow and improve 1% every day. And I can't think of an area more important that where we need to grow and learn and do better than when it has to do with affecting and serving other people. Mm. We really align um, on this. So how do you want to walk through the framework, some of these strategies? Uh, Obviously, you know, we're not going to cover, you know, all (laughs) them within a, you know, 30, 40 minute podcast, but, but how do you want to do that? How do you want to walk through, do you want to talk about the nine behaviors and then we can dive into a couple of them? What, what do you think is the best way? Sure. Yeah, we can do that. That works. Um, well, I, I, I think the one thing that I always, it's become an evolution for me because I wouldn't necessarily say, I mean, I think I've always talked about self-leadership and this is the chapter and the, the first, this is where my book starts off at is on self-leadership. And so when we think about caring leadership, we have to first care for ourselves in lots of different ways. We have to first lead ourselves before we decide to lead other people. And so the, that first one really dives into the ideas of congruency and authenticity and self-care, understanding where we, you know, why we are going on this leadership journey. Um, and again, peppering in all the voices of the people who, who exhibit um, or maybe have not exhibited self-leadership in certain times and certain, right, and, and not all of us are strong all the time. So, you know, that is the, the beginning point, the starting point, and it is probably the largest chapter as well, because it is so important that we get that right, that we really do those things that having control of our mindset, making sure we seek out other counsel, you know, um, not, you know, making sure that we take care of our own bodies and spirits and um, that we give our own selves self-compassion and things like that versus um, always versus being as outwardly as you might think the caring leadership concept is. It is about how do we lead other people and the, going into the next focus and behavior is making people feel important. And that is important, but we can't do that if we haven't done it for ourselves. I mean, it just, it boils down to that. Um, and so, you know, I go, I, I you know, people say, well, what does make, make them feel important? What does that look like? And again, it's delving in deeper and deeper. So I'm kind of taking this broad concept kind of in Heather style and employee fanatic style really is we take, we help organizations, for example, listening with employees 
and we help they they we help them get maybe three to five really big concepts, and then from there we continue to drill down by doing focus groups and listening sessions and culture teams, and we grab all that and we do action planning, and then we we're able to continue to dive deeper and deeper and pinpoint the exact thing. So the insight that the organizations are able to gather by our ability to help them drill down is critical for them to move forward and create strategy. And so this is kind of that same thing as like, okay, leader, here are these like big overarching concepts. Now let's drill down and show what are the little things, you know, so spending one-on-one time with their employees and making sure you're there when they need you, when your team members are looking to you for guidance, are you there for them? Um, so those are some of the concepts that making them feel important. Obviously, recognition is a big part of it too. Um, these things are not rocket science, but when you're able to get, you know, um, aggregate as many of these voices and grab all of these themes and then get the actual tactical things they're doing, it really is super insightful uh, and serves as a guidebook for for leaders who are looking to put. Well, how do I really put my finger on this thing called care? What does it look like for me to care more? Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot more. I mean, obviously, like you said, I don't want to, if I go through every single one, I don't want it to be like completely boring, but I'd like for you to, you know, ask questions from here, whatever, because there's yeah, so much I, more and I think <laughs> lead the whole person, the, you know. It's one of the things we talked about uh, when I came on your podcast is if we don't care, take care of ourselves, there's no way we can take care of others. And so the intentionalism and you breaking down some of these things, um, you got to first care for yourself. You got to show compassion for yourself you have to stop passing so much judgment on yourself. You have to forgive yourself. You have to embrace the humanness that we are and realize that we don't have to be perfect, right? We don't have to know everything. And one thing I find and why I think this is so insightful and so important is that we're generally really good at giving other people what we need, but we're very bad at giving them things that we don't need. And so Mm -hmm. if we're not taking care of ourselves, if we're not caring for ourselves, if we're not seeing the value of all that and coming from that place, it becomes hard for us to do that for other people. And it's, it's in all relationships, really. And then you talk about making people feel important. Um, I, think that, I think there's four things that every person needs. And if we get these things right, then we're, we're on, we've got a good foundation. First of all, everybody needs to feel cared for. And we're talking about that. Everybody needs to feel important, like they're making a difference, like what, what happens, what they're doing matters, right? They need to understand how they're making a bigger difference, how, how their pride uh, comes in there and they feel significant about what it is they're doing. And they need to feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. If we can yep. get those four things right as leaders, it's a good, it's a good foundation. So let me ask you this question. Why is it? So people, okay, I'm going to play the other side of this thing, right? <laughs> so, so people come to work where we, they're paid to do a job. Why do they need to feel cared for? Why do they need to feel valued? Why is it important for their voices to be heard? What does that translate into? Yeah, and those are really good questions. I I did for people who would ask those questions. I made I made sure I loaded up some proof of concepts inside the book too from the leaders because uh, I know that the work I do can sound really squishy and soft. And then they think that does that really drive hardcore resort results? And it does in in the form of uh, in, you know increased productivity in the in the form of innovation, um, increased collaboration and communication. Um, basically there are a couple of public publicly traded companies that are inside of here and they're talking about uh, they're just the index, like how much they've grown so much on the bottom line, you know, going from like multi-millions to like billions going from like um, a single multi single million to multi-million, you know, those kinds of things. And it was all because of the strategy was on, you know, putting care first and care isn't always soft, meaning it isn't always gentle. It is always respectful and kind. Right. 
so that if you have to call people in the carport, you have to course correct a leader or a team member or whatever um, with, with helping, to, helping them to see another way. Uh, it, it, you do it with, with uh, respect and with kindness, but in the end, it doesn't always feel like, oh, I just delivered the best gift in the world. Um, so I think those are some of the things. It's, it's all, it's, it's every, basically, here's the thing. Any result you're looking for, if you care, if you show care in your organization, you will get the result. So if you want more customer satisfaction, show care, show care to your employees, the ones who deliver on the customer experience. If you want greater profits, show care, show care by delivering on training programs, support programs, coaching programs, recognition, all those types of things so that your people want to go over the above. So your people actually, um, you know, are able to be open to innovate, to, to drive more sales forward in different new and different ways, not in the box. Um, so it, it just boils down to anything that you're looking for. If you want greater, you want more loyalty from your employees, give it. So show more care if you want to get more, right? And that is, that's just, it's just that simple. Wow. I was talking, I've had a couple different podcasts I recorded this week and uh, the last one we we're talking about trust. And, and I think, I think it's awesome because you say you want more loyalty then give it. Right. And we talk about trusts. If we want to drive and, and gain more trust and be more trusting, you know, trusted, we need to trust first. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, so there's so much, so much value in that. Let, let's talk about, because here, here's what I know. And, and people can talk about, Oh, the art of caring leadership. Like you made reference to this, right? So I'm going to talk about like, this is not soft on leadership. This is smart on leadership. And, and there are those times and you alluded to it to where, you know, we, we need to have, we need to care enough to confront as Brene Brown would talk about. We need to have that difficult conversation. So can you walk us through some strategies? Because accountability is a huge part of leadership. If we can do mm-hmm. everything right, if we do not have accountability, right? If, if we're not clear on our expectations and, and holding those accountability lines, uh, it, it's going to be very detrimental to the organization. I've seen that time and time again. So, so how do you have difficult conversations in the framework of being a caring leader? Well, I think there's first kind of, let's back ourselves up. Uh, I think if we understand our why for leading, uh, and we're very, which we're very clear in what that why is. So let's say the why is to serve others. Why is to grow others. I hope the why isn't just about you. I hope it's about, it's others focused. And so when you come from a place of living your why inside that relationship of being a leader, uh, then when you are sitting across from someone who you can see maybe is not living out their own personal mission, that their why is not really being fulfilled in a way, and you've, and you've already built the trust, as we talked about earlier, and, you, and you've already uh, recognized and shown appreciation to them in very sincere ways, and you've shown concern and kindness for them inside their lives, when it's time for you to corner them to say, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, it's some, something happened and it, and it really disappointed me. Um, they're going to be like, number one, oh, not like they're not going to be mad. They're just going to be like, oh, this person has believed in me up to this point. And whatever I've done has fallen short. And uh, I, I need to take some time to pause and to reevaluate my actions or about my course or my direction. So then the next thing I you know, would say, if I say like, well, here, and so here's what I saw, or here's what I heard when you did this particular thing. And that was really unlike you. It, it was, it's not the person I know you to be, or even your, your potential to be. And so I just wanted to, you know, come to circle with you, to go back on you and find out the why behind that. Wow. And that's, and I want to shut up and I just want them to kind of tell me what's what, whatever, you know, and then we work through it together. The, the, the idea is not to make it feel like I'm attacking them. Right. But that um, I'm just, I care for them enough. I'm concerned for them enough that 
I sensed they weren't operating at their best. And my, my whole mission is to make sure they're doing that. And so it's my job to make sure that I help them get there. And I think if they know that, <laughs> not just in words, but in actions, it just makes it a lot easier. I've had plenty of conversations. I've had, I had one where I had to write up two people because they were uh, insubordinate to their team leader who was reported, reporting to me. And they were jealous and didn't really respect her. And so I had to, I spoke with each of them individually, let them know I was writing them up. And I was writing them up because they were going against our organizational values. And our values are, are very important to me. And they were very, very clear from the beginning how focused I was on team, that team is the focus. And then everything else kind of falls secondarily to that. So it was like, what's, what's happening here? Like, I, I hear you where you're at. I meet you where you're at, but you have to respect the team, the team values. And so <clears throat> going to them that way, I think it shows care for the team at large and individually they could be a little hurt, but, the, but in the beginning, I was super clear that values, um, team mission, team goals, and an individual respect for people and concern and kindness for others was a priority for me as the leader of the team. And if they failed to show that to other people, <clears throat> I would not accept it. And I wouldn't accept it. If it. And they also knew that I would not accept it if it happened to them on the other side. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's so see. And it, people think about when there's been lines of accountability, when they've had a performance issue, maybe they violated a policy, maybe they didn't come to work as their best selves. And what you just described isn't what a lot of people are used to walking into. And, you know, Maya Angelou's, you know, great quote that people forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. And at that point, in that moment, it can be a really powerful moment to get them on board voluntarily, feeling like they let you down, feeling bad for letting the team down, clearly understanding the expectations and going out to do better, right? Or it can be them feeling like their contributions are honored. It could be them walking away, not hearing anything that was said because of the way we addressed it with them. And then the further problem that causes down the road, you started off, why we lead. Why we lead directly translates into how we lead. And one of the things that we've done a good job on with our leadership team and some of the different companies I'm working with is when somebody's struggling, when somebody isn't making the performance or somebody, something happened, they didn't show up as the best version of themselves. The reason we address that is because truly we want to help people become the best version of themselves. And so mm -hmm. when we align with that value, right? The, I don't need to now teach exactly what to say, exactly what question to ask. Like it just comes out naturally because we're leading through our values. We're leading through the mm -hmm. idea that we care about that person. They're important to us. We want to help them get back on track. Most of the time, these people have proven that they belong on our teams. They're valuable members of our teams. And, and we're all, I mean, let's face it, none of us is perfect. And in your podcast, mm -hmm. you ask about a time where you didn't show up the best version of yourself because none of us are perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and coming at it the way you have, I think it just gives a, a lot of new tools on people's belts. If they struggle with those conversations, like so many people do. Yeah. You have to, you know, I say lead with heart purposefully, the leading with heart is, is just so, you know, there's a level of intentionality there. And um, if they know you've got that care, you've got their back, you've got their best interest in heart, when you have to have those tough conversations, they're not as tough as you think. Yeah. They're just not. They're not. Mm -hmm. No, what, one of my former police chiefs 
was terrible at those conversations and you just knew how to make it through them when you got yelled at. <laughs> the other one, you always felt bad and you always felt like you let them down and you wanted to make sure that was never going to happen again. And there's a big difference on the person who walks out that door and, and what they contribute and how they're committed to the organization. So we're talking about the behaviors, the framework, the art of caring leadership. First thing you spend a lot of time on it is self-leadership, self-care, taking care of yourself. Second thing's making people feel important. What's another big one? Well, I would say the leading the whole person, you and I were talking about this before, is a big one. You know, as people present uh, into the workplace, we just need to consider the many dimensions of the people that are in front of us. So, you know, we just, we make a lot of assumptions based upon who's in front of us. And we don't even go take the time to dig deeper to find out what's happening with them. Like sometimes we'll see a change in behavior and it's just unacceptable and we could care less. Even if it's not related to work, we don't really want to talk about it. And so I think the key is to, really focus ourselves on, you know, slowing down, going deeper, being a little uncomfortable doing it because most leaders aren't real comfortable doing that, but that does mean we may have to be a little vulnerable. We have to be a little bit more transparent um, in the process of, of understanding that person and the person, you know, what I mean by whole person doesn't mean you're sitting around crying with them all day or like they, they're crying all the time. You're crying. I don't really mean that, but I do mean like there are times where people come to you uh, and, and they're, they're, they just are not, maybe don't need a solution. They just need your, you to be an ear or be a shoulder. And, and you have to be that person then in order for you, for, for you to have an okay time having that tough conversation for something else later. So we did like, we just, the leading the person is exactly the thing that helps you be able to have those, any of those other conversations later on. It really is. It makes the process go much more smoothly because they know that you understand who they are. You understand, for example, let's say that they have, um, an elder, like they have a parent at home. And, and so now all of a sudden they're taking care of children. One who's about to go to college. Now they have a parent at home, elderly. Um, it could just be so many things. The list is so huge, but understanding the different dimensions so that when someone shows up a certain way, um, I just remember some many years ago, I'm, I've got kind of a wacky background, you know, my mom is white and Jewish dad's black and Christian. And I've had so much rejection in my childhood based upon the differences and stuff. But when I, when I would be at, I remember in college, my friends and in law school, my friends would bust up laughing. They thought it was so funny because they would use derogatory words for different people. Uh, like, you know, folks that are Hispanic, they'd use that word. Folks that are Asian, they'd use that word. And they would just see me boil at the surface. They would just see me boil. And it was because I, because of my background, understood the level of dimensionality, the way there's so many different levels of us, not even just racially or religiously, but just so many different. And so because I'm there to, to accept and to receive the people as they come to me, with all those dimensions, trying to dive deeper, trying to understand mental health issues, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, then it doesn't mean that I'm giving them breaks. It's, that's not what I'm saying either. But when I understand the whole person as they present to me, and then it's not just a work person and a home person, that it's like a full person. And it's all the stuff that goes into that. Now, when I go to advise them on something that they ask me about, or I need to co- help them course correct, you know, and, and give them some advice on how they can, you know, show up as their better selves, any of those things, I can do that now because I had been someone who considered them in all their dimensions. And so I think that's the key um, with leading the whole person. Yeah, leading the whole person is such an important thing. We're, we're complex human beings. We can look the same. We don't, we don't have to be different genders, different races, ethnicities. We, we can look the same. There's still so many different complexities. What one person needs, what works with this person is different than what works for this person. It's a version of that. And this whole concept of leading the whole person, I'm a huge fan of it. It's something we do very intentionally. But to do that, you've got to cross this 
I'll call it boundary that some leaders have drawn in the sand that doesn't really exist. And it's like, it's inappropriate for me to ask about how things are going at home. How, how has the transition been with, with your kids to remote learning? How's it going, you know, helping take care of so-and-so who's suffering from COVID or, you know, whatever the case may be. And mm. I, I just think that that line of thinking is, is antiquated, you know, mm. um, especially yeah. as we lead Gen X, the millennials, you know, Gen Z, it's going to become more and more and more important to, to lead the whole person, to follow the strategies that you're outlining here, because that will be the workforce, whether people in the older generation and, and Xers or whoever like it, it's not a matter of that. At the end of the day, you're trying to create a great team, a, a great culture, right? You're trying to create the highest levels of performance uh, in private business. You're trying to drive profitability in, in government business. We're trying to provide the highest level of service, quality of life things. And so if that's what we're trying to do, We've got to know how to lead the whole person. We've got to know what our people need. Let, where does empathy fall in in caring leadership? I, I'd love to hear your definition of empathy and kind of what empathy is and how important that is for caring leaders. Well, I think, you know, empathy and compassion, one thing that I, I am a recent learner of really kind of helping me break down kind of the difference between empathy and compassion is you know, I'm an empathetic person. I lead with empathy. Empathy is my number one strength. So that is me having the ability to step in the inside of someone else's shoes and understand where they're coming from. Okay. So I understand it. Compassion is taking action behind the empathy that I feel for someone. So I can be empathetic, but not be compassionate because compassion means you've actually are willing to alleviate the pain of another person by taking some form of action. And both of those show inside the caring leadership and they were absolutely necessary it's great to be empathetic and action doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go solve something. It could mean that you're just, let's take 10 minutes to talk this through. That also is a way of alleviating pain. So uh, empathy and compassion together, they really go hand in hand. And, and I, w- I hate to say that empathy is empty, but there is a little bit of an emptiness there. And I really did. I grabbed a sense of that probably in the last couple of years, even though I had already kind of been living that way, you know, I really never understood that. And I, I like to now just really highlight for people that in order for you to, to, in order for empathy to really be like, to have the power it can possess, you want to compare it with compassion. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. And we think about empathy being understanding empathy is about caring, displaying that compassion. Like you said, taking action, it really drives connection, really drives those mm-hmm. relationships. And we can connect with people like that. That's when we can call them in when things aren't going perfect and have those conversations that you talked about. And also, it also drives some other things, I believe. And tell me if I'm wrong, but regardless if there's an issue or a problem, when somebody shows up and they're just not feeling the best version of themselves and they're just feeling more down and they've got 15 things going on at home because of COVID, by you having that relationship and that connection with them, they also don't want to let you down. And so they muster up the energy and, and the passion to, to come through and to mm-hmm. always come through when it, when it matters the most. And I think that's why, you know, as you talk about organizations with, with high levels of, of caring, right, who, do, who, who can demonstrate this framework, have higher levels of innovation, higher levels of creativity, better levels of communication, productivity, profits, right? All of, all of those things. And, and it's because people where they're where they're at this team they're part of it, it's part of them and mm-hmm. and if if they're truly cared about 
um, and, you know, and they're honored in the right way and appreciated in the right way. What, what they'll, you don't have to worry about loyalty anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It drives yep. very high <clears throat> levels of, of loyalty. So true. Yeah. It is interesting because some of these things that you're like, so fo- you're so focused on right now become less of an issue because your real focus is on the people and what it is they need to, you know, get through their day to feel like they're having meaningful work. Meaningful work is a, one of the number one drivers for most workplaces as it relates to loyalty and retention. So making people feel like what the work they do is meaningful is critical in, in this, in this day. And especially now, I mean, oh my gosh, got remote workers. Now people have easier access to be applying for other jobs. Are they applying for their jobs? Are they sticking with you? Someone earlier said, I really, they were talking to me as the leader of employee fanatics. And they said, we really want to create an organization where people um, really want to stay and that they're like, or they will not open the door to leave. Like they just, they, mm-hmm. they, they are so loyal and love it here so much. That's what they're trying to get to, which those are the only organizations I'm interested in working with anyway. They want to, they want to improve and they want to make a big splash for their people and make their experience amazing. Um, so, yeah, I think, so care in my mind, care is the core of all this. And you're, I do think that empathy and compassion, emotional intelligence is a huge component of this work, the work I do of the, of caring leadership. And so when we look at that empathy being a kind of part of social awareness is a big element of it. There's lots of other parts of it. Like we look at empowering them to make their own decisions, which helps them innovate more and makes them feel more independent and makes them see that their work is more meaningful, creating a listening culture that makes them feel like their voices are heard and powerful, that their voices, that they contribute to the work that they're looking to get done, that they contribute to the change they're seeking um, so there's so many different um, angles, I guess, to it, ways to do it, um, scenarios that demonstrate it. And, and I do that. It's all that's like proof. It's like, guys, I know this. This may be things I've said for like the last several years, but I'm going to continue to load up the proof for you because hopefully it'll be kind of like a, a light slap that says the message hasn't changed. I keep getting these notifications from Facebook about the things I've put out there over the last four or five years. I'm like, mm, the, mes- the message has pretty much always been there. It's because it's always true. <laughs> because it's always true. <laughs> I'm not changing it. <laughs> You're staying true to that. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about, um, let, let's finish up today's show with talking about creating a listening culture, because I think that's so important. Can you take a deeper dive into that? How do you create a listening culture? What does that look like? Well, I mean, there's, there's, um, I kind of look at it two, two ways. I look at it from the leadership perspective, like the leader, individual leader perspective. And then I look at it above the organization. So, so much work that employee finance does is mostly above organization. So that means, are you listening via employee engagement surveys, uh, uh, pulse surveys? Are you listening via focus groups and culture teams? Are you, it's listening sessions and coffees and roundtables. Like it's more of an organizational view of listening. And so everything you do from the strategic side of the business should be fed from the people who are running the business or driving the business forward, which I think are those on the front line of the business. So we use their voices to help catapult us in new directions, innovative directions, meeting customer needs. So that is, um, that's, that's, and so, and while you're doing that, you're communicating back to your people, all the things you heard from them, all the things you're doing based upon their voices. And you're doing that consistently. That's how you create the culture. But then there are these kind of microcosms and that is the leaders themselves individually. And what do they do now to create a listening culture within their team? How do they make their teams feel heard? So that's going to be some of the one-on-ones that we talk about, how making sure that you set aside time to be with them one-on-one, that you're doing more of the team meetings, that you're uh, communicating back to your team the actions that, that the organization has taken based upon the voice they fed to you than you fed to the leaders above you. 
And so it's, it's just like a, a bigger view. And then you go down and you kind of do the same things. They look different. So you get on performance review cycle, you have one on one meetings, hopefully weekly or every two weeks. You have your team meetings, the round table where people come safe space or able to come along, come around and talk about what they see as some of the gaps in the team success and what, what they can do. Right. So there's all of those types. I mean, gosh, the newsletters, blah, blah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can do to make it really fun, team building and all that, right? To make sure, again, when you do that, you create a sense of trust and um, a safe space. And then when you do that, they know their voices are being used. They hear You're hearing them and something's being, some action is being taken. So I, I just gave you a whole lot because there's obviously lots of levels of details and all of that. I was talking, yeah, we're, do, we're doing these uh, sessions, but by the way, there's like two or three weeks before the sessions that we have to do all this planning. So sometimes I don't get down to the nitty, the gritty, the gritty, and you, and you have to ask me really pointed questions to get to that. But in the end, that's what it is. It's starting big. It's looking above organization. It's figuring out how do we corral all the voices? How do we narrow down the focus? How do we continue to give the employees exactly what they need, what they want, um, and, and make them part of the process that come along the journey? And they are the change that they're seeking. No, absolutely. I think it's a, a huge component of driving ownership, of having people do things because it's important to them not just doing it because it's important to somebody else. When you create this listening culture, when you are intentionally seeking the feedback and you're not just hearing, but you're listening to what it is they mean. And then they see that action is being taken. You know, we're telling people, I respect you. I trust you. I value you. I care about you. You are important. Mm-hmm. Those are just very, very powerful loyalty, trust building employee engagement, morale, ownership, ownership drivers, uh, so, so much great stuff. And, you know, we could talk for, you know, a day about this whole idea of creating a listening culture. I've got so many examples of coming into, you know, organizations that were just broken. And it's amazing when people are given a voice and they aren't used to be giving a voice and then they see actual action happen. And then they see that, oh, they actually... I'm being empowered to use my voice, to share my ideas, to be creative, to be innovative. Wow. You talk about setting a place on fire. Um, it, it, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, what you're talking about is, is creating an incredible place to work that, that's always looking to achieve and sustain organizational excellence in my mind. And, and you're creating an environment. And this is a byproduct for most people, but for me, it's a primary driver. We're creating environments through these things to help people live their best lives because their quality of life, their health, their marriage, how they show up as a parent, right, is also significantly impacted by their experience at work. And so not only are you doing all the things you already talked and listed out for the company and for the team, but we're doing that for an individual as a, as a whole. Heather, do you have any calls to action or is there something like, you know, Danny, I'm surprised you didn't ask me this. What would you like to leave <laughs> today? Well, I mean, obviously, I would tell everybody at this point to go buy the book. You can either go the the art of carrying leadership, or just go straight to Amazon and get your copy. Uh, I do have to say that again, this is this is not just a book; it's a support system. And so, just know that you are you're going to finish the last page of that book, and you're going to be invited into this like huge hug of um, of compassion, of empathy, of um, guidance, of um, support. And, and care. Okay. And yeah. so you'll feel it. Yep. You'll feel it. You're going to feel it immediately. And it's, and it doesn't end. It only ends when you want it to. Um, so that's what I would say. The biggest thing is, 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 and I would say, I don't know. I don't think there's anything that you didn't ask me that I want you to ask. I think those are it. We, 
I'm very, very excited to have as many leaders as possible funnel into this support system. Uh, I'm doing this for impact because you don't really make a lot of money with book sales. So it's less about that and it's more about impact. And so I'm excited to be able to deliver that for people. And that's what you're all about. How do you create a bigger yes. impact for the people that you serve? And, and yeah. I admire the heck out of you for that, Heather. It's, I've really enjoyed our friendship and getting to know you better. If you're not following Heather on LinkedIn, you got to follow her on LinkedIn. We're going to be within the podcast description. You'll be able to click a link and go buy the book. Um, you'll be able to click a link and go connect with her on, on LinkedIn. You're going to be able to click a link and go to her website. Um, all of those things. All those, so what, what is the release date for the book? April 13th. April 13th. Okay. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably the week before or the week of. So get to action. <laughs> Let's make sure, uh, and I'm sure it's going to happen anyway, but Heather becomes another number one bestseller. Um, and, and more than anything, these tools and the way she breaks these things down, we just scratched on the surface today, but they're just such powerful things. And I believe in it so much because of my care for people, but I've seen it. As I've gone through and dissected what's made us successful here, what's made us successful there, and, and really look backwards, which I don't do a lot, all of the things you're talking about are, are all lining up. And I just really respect and admire the work you're doing. So thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast, rejoining us today, and sharing all this incredible information. Thank you so much, Danny. It's been really a big pleasure. Thank you. So a couple of the key things that we talked about today, self-leadership, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of anybody else, uh, our, our mindset, right? The importance of having mentors, the importance of self-compassion, the importance of not you know, judging ourselves, forgiving ourselves, making other people feel important, really caring. And I love the, the, the distinction with empathy and compassion. Empathy is understanding, compassion is taking action. How are we help making it better? Empowering people to make their own decisions, creating a listening culture, so many great things and, and so many incredible nuggets within that, that leads to increase innovation, increase creativity, productivity, increase sales. Uh, but most importantly, it really increases the quality of life and the overall impact you're having on people, on your customers, on whatever your passion is. If you enjoyed the episode today, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Please consider giving us a rating or review so we can help reach people more organically. That's why we're doing this. Just like with book sales, we're not making any money on the podcast. It's all about creating an impact, helping leaders level up, reach their full potential and create the best experience they can and drive the highest results. So thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, always be committed to excellence.